Today is Monday, February 5th, 2024. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. A pastor's jailed for holding prayer meetings at his home. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. You can share your thoughts with us. Quick Start Podcast at CBN.org. We'd love to hear from you. Joining me today to get through the news of the cray is Billy Hallowell. And Billy, on this Monday, we've got a lot to get through, including you caught up with Rob Schneider, formerly of SNL, actor, and he's got a great story. Yeah, he does. It's it's a crazy story because like so many other people, he has come back to God and he's talking about his faith. So it was pretty interesting conversation. Yeah, looking forward to the details there. We'll also link to your interview with him, which is fantastic, full length. So uh, we'll have all of that. Also on the main thing, there were six pro-life advocates last week who were convicted of blocking an entrance to an abortion clinic. Now they're facing prison time. Madison Seals has some important details there. All of that is on today's main thing. Don't forget to subscribe to our other CBN News podcast, by the way, doing some housekeeping here. DC Debrief with John Stolness. That's a Friday, once a week podcast, rounding up what's going on in DC. Can't miss that. Also, Billy's Newsmakers podcast, one full-length interview every day, Monday through Friday. Great stuff there. Don't forget to subscribe to those while you're thinking about it. And uh, with that housekeeping out of the way, we're going to head over to the news here in 90 seconds. Over 11 million people in California are under flood warnings as parts of Los Angeles and that area. They're forecast to receive close to half a year's worth of rain by tomorrow. More than 900,000 people there are uh, facing outages. There's something called an atmospheric river hitting the area. That is a, quote, relatively long, narrow region in the atmosphere like rivers in the sky. And they carry a hefty amount of water vapor, flood watches remain in place for nearly 40 million people in California. Senate negotiators yesterday released the text of the border deal that people have been waiting for, and they've been hashing out the details on that for a few months now. There's a bipartisan group, including Senators James Langford, Kristen Sinema, and Chris Murphy. They've tried to strike a deal with the White House. Doesn't look like it's gonna pass as of right now, as the deal still has other things in there, like billions of dollars for Ukraine and Israel, but it's aimed at gaining control of an asylum system that's been overwhelmed by historic numbers of migrants at the border. And a Vietnamese spontaneered Christian has been sentenced to four and a half years in prison on charges of secession and incitement for conducting prayer meetings at his home. Those are just some of today's top headlines. Read more over at CBN News. Com. All right, Billy, wanted to t- just give a couple more details on this pastor in Vietnam. His name is Ne Blang. He's 48, was sentenced last Friday, according to Radio Free Asia, without legal representation. That's according to their church's founder. Uh, and they said he was convicted for allegedly acting against state's interests. So Vietnam, you may... Uh, no, is run by the Communist Party there, and its government has a long history of clashing with this Christian community. And they do things like we see, Billy, throughout other countries that have, like China, they they 
kind of try to make you have to register with the state for you to be a state approved church. And if you don't, they're fining you, they're harassing you. And then in some cases, to make an example out of you, they arrest you. And so that's what happened here in Vietnam. It's kind of one of those overlooked areas. I feel like we don't get as much attention on that area. But the founder of Christian Solidarity Worldwide, which is one of these UK groups, uh, they're fighting for persecuted Christians around the globe and bringing attention to their stories. He said the Vietnamese government views the simple act of prayer as a direct threat to their power and legitimacy. Isn't that the truth, Billy? What happened, what we see with these communist governments, that's their mentality towards it. Yeah. I mean, they, they hate religion. They specifically hate Christianity. And I think probably because what do we see happen with Christianity? People entirely change their hearts, yeah. change their lives, change. And that impacts somebody's ability to hold on to this sort of militant power. And so you see this again and again and again, and it's really just heartbreaking um, but but also reminds us of the importance of, of fighting for our own freedoms here. Right? Yeah. This is why we have a First Amendment. This is why we have the government structures that we have. Nothing is perfect, but we have those protections. So it's um, it's eye opening, though, to think that these things are still happening. And in fact, increasing, they're, they're increasingly happening around the world today. Yeah. And look, we, we often on this podcast talk about having a worldview and the importance of having a worldview because there is no neutral worldview. They, there's a lot of people that try to pretend there is like, oh, we're, we're just neutral. Like, no, you, you look at the world a certain way through a certain lens. And when it gets to this level of extreme uh, communism and, and this status sort of view, other things do start to become a threat. It's like a it's like a necessity in in how it's going to play out in in the logical way of uh, progression and how this thing will go right. And and we're seeing it now, like you said, fighting for our freedoms. We're seeing uh, just like kind of the birth pangs of it here in America, which is unthinkable. People, oh, that will never happen here. But you have to protect it. I mean, look at COVID. The minute there was something to fear about, there was something to panic about, what was the first thing that got shut down? It was the churches. <laughs> they went right after well, the not, churches. Not Walmart. Not, not Walmart. Walmart. You, can, you can get into your Walmart. You can go there. But church, oh, no, we cannot be having these gatherings at church. So, And so you, you'll see that. And then the people that are kind of looking at the world through the government being the ultimate end, they're going to have a different view on it than somebody with eternity in mind, somebody who's following Christ. So to your point, absolutely, we need to be um, protecting our freedom so that we have the ability uh, to worship our God the way we see fit. And we certainly need to be praying for this pastor and just the Christians in this community in, Viet in Vietnam. And this is a community that, I mean, me personally, I'm not that familiar with, but I definitely am going to learn more about them. And definitely going to be praying for them because it sounds like they're getting a hard time from the government there in Vietnam. So, all right, we're going to move over to the focus story now. Comedian Rob Schneider is increasingly speaking about his faith and emphasizing the importance of forming a foundation on God and forgiving others. So this is really a great turnaround here. I didn't see this coming from Rob Schneider. The, the What was he on Saturday Night Live? The back in the day that famous bit the copy guy making copies <laughs> he's had a great career so i don't want to boil it down to that one bit but that's one i remember but anyway what's yeah. he what's he saying now 
Yeah, so he, well, he's saying an awful lot. You know, he's talking about the fact that you know faith is important, that God and forgiving others is important, and you know he's really come back into a, a Catholic faith. He grew up with a Catholic faith and, and separated from it like so many do. Um, and so he was kind of talking. You know, we kind of went, we went right in on faith, and he said Jesus only lets you stray so much. And he said at a certain point he grabbed me again and hugged me. And he started going, and by the way, he has a, a new series. He's voicing a series called Chip Chilla over on Bent Key, the Daily Wire um, platform. So he's got a show there and he's got a new film out. And he talked a little bit about that, but we really focused mostly on this transition that he was talking about back into faith. He said, there are other religions out there that say, well, kill your enemy, hate your enemy. And we have a religion that says, love your enemy, love thy neighbor as thyself, love others. What a beautiful way to go through life. And that's just sort of a, a little piece of what he had to say about it. But it was pretty powerful to hear somebody again, who's experienced all the riches, all the fame, all the money, and yet is finding himself clearly that was not fulfilling him, right? Yeah. He came back to his faith. Yeah. And you see that a lot. And that is a very fascinating angle from people who achieve, you know, some level of fame, some level of wealth, power, and they realize that that isn't it. It's very, it's very interesting to see that play out. So he had this viral post on X back in November. What did he have to say about that? And what was yeah, it? Yeah, because that, well, yeah, that that seemed to be the impetus for him starting to speak out about his faith. I'm sure maybe he did in other contexts, but he posted a very long message on his 60th birthday um, back in November, and in that post. He apologized for unforgiveness, particularly surrounding COVID-19, some of the stuff you were just talking about, the anger that he had at the time when COVID happened, how his fellow celebrities were handling the issue, um, you know, just shaming people over the vaccine and those sorts of things. He was really mad about that. And he was, you know, I don't know if I would say lashing out because I didn't follow him a lot at the time, but speaking out quite a bit about it. And he said he said in this post, you know, there were people that, that angered him. He basically, but he basically said, I'm going to forgive those people. That's what this whole thing in November was about. I'm going to forgive them. And so I asked him about it and he said, there were people that angered me very much. I had to dig underneath what's that anger. And he had to, you know, realize that he couldn't interpret other people's feelings. He said, look, I recognize there was a lot of fear at the time. People were operating out of that. And in the original post, he kind of went through all these things. Like, how could I be mad at this actor over here when he's done all these kind things secretly for people in need? How could I be? He, he was seeing the humanity and the people he had been angry with. And mm -hmm. so it was really a moment of, you know, him, him forgiving and letting go of the anger that he had. And then from in that post, he started talking about how he had come back to faith and that was what was leading this. So it was kind of cool to get to talk to him about, about that. That's a really um, good observation. And I think one, we probably all to some extent or another suffer from as we just scroll through social media and we scroll through the news. It is and you see it now with our division. It is so easy to get mad at one another. It's so easy. And to recognize that, that we have that in us and that we're seeing that, I think it's I think it's a blind spot for a lot of people, probably myself included, because I think that's a natural reaction when you just scroll and you see some things that are um, kind of repeating that you're like, oh, here we go again with this. And it's just easy to you know kind of lose the humanity of the people behind it. So uh, not not that yeah. you shouldn't have your convictions about things, right? It's just do you let do you let that conviction turn into this anger that then just leaves you bitter and angry all the time? And so I think that's I think it's a keen observation there from Rob. But 
What were some of the other things, Billy, that brought him back to his faith? I'm always interested to see kind of when these people stray, as you mentioned, then what brings them back? Yeah. You know, so he, he basically said there were a number of things. He's like, I married, he married a woman who was, is a staunch Catholic. And that was one factor. He kind of listed a whole series of things, but one that I thought was really interesting. Um, he, he called it a very strange confluence of things, <laughs> but he's been working on this script about the shroud of Turin hmm. and, that was something that also really started pushing him to think deeper about his faith roots. And so he hasn't even made the movie, but I guess he's been working on this script and he said he could no longer ignore faith as you know, that script was going on thinking about his wife. And just, he said, he said, quote, as Jesus does, here's a little nudge, a little nudge, a little nudge. And he said, God, um, could put his hand down and make everybody love him, but God wants us to come to him of our own volition. This is the greatest gift. And so just, again, cool to see how God uses things to make people think deeper about about faith and what really matters. Yeah, that is excellent. And as we often point to on this podcast, that eternity is the way we should be thinking about things. And God's going to use different things to remind us of that. We're prone to wander. We're prone to forget that's what scripture says about our hearts. Our hearts are wicked and evil thoughts flow from them, right? And so we are prone to wander. It's it's going to be a tendency of ours that on this side of eternity, we're going to have to be contending with. And so it's great to see different ways that God reminds us and calls his believers back to him through different means. And so very, very cool to see it from Rob. And I would encourage you, I'm going to put the link in the description of this podcast episode to check out that full episode, uh, the full interview from Billy with Robert's really great stuff. So appreciate you bringing that one on the podcast today, Billy. All right. We're going to head over to the main thing. Now, last week, six pro-life advocates were convicted of blocking the entrance to an abortion clinic. Now they're facing prison time. Emily Aaron Davis with SBA pro-life America talked to Madison seals about how the FACE Act is being weaponized in one direction against pro-lifers and how SBA's political program for the 2024 elections equips the pro-life movement to respond. That interviews today's main thing. Emily, thanks for joining me again on the podcast. I want to ask you about last week's verdict of six pro-life advocates in Tennessee being charged for blocking the entrance to an abortion center, which is illegal under the Federal Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances, otherwise known as the FACE Act. Now, these pro-lifers are facing up to a decade of prison time, which seems excessive even before considering the lack of justice for all of the violent assaults on pro-life pregnancy centers that we've seen across the country. But what do you make of this verdict? Well, first and foremost, our hearts go out to them. I mean, this is really unprecedented what we're seeing happening right now, which is the FACE Act was originally uh, constructed to be to protect both either the abortion center facility and the pregnancy center to make sure that there was no violence. Um, but what we're now seeing is the FACE Act has been weaponized by the Biden Department of Justice to unfairly target peaceful pro-life Americans. Sadly, this is being used in one direction. There has been an extreme imbalance of prosecution by the DOJ. And even Biden's own government acknowledges that the majority of violence is against pro-lifers, yet 
they're using this imbalance to target pro-lifers. Uh, FBI Director Christopher Wray confirmed that 70% of post-Dobbs decision after Roe, post-Dobbs abortion-related violence targets pro-lifers. So if that's the case, then why is the Biden administration using the full force of the federal government to unfairly criminalize? And that's just not right. And we've got to do whatever we can to lend our voices to how they are using and weaponizing the DOJ and the FACE Act. Um, and I will point out that uh, stats show that at least 88 pro-life groups and 357 churches have been attacked since uh, Roe v. Wade was reversed. Mm, yeah, that's important to point out. And this is an example of why the abortion issue is on ballots across the country, because unborn human beings are being killed daily. And there's an increasing effort by our own Justice Department, as you've pointed out, and our administration to prevent anyone from defending them, even if that means imprisonment, which is just crazy to think about. But I want to talk to you today about how the pro-life movement is taking an offensive position. Last week, your organization, SBA Pro-Life America, announced a political program for the 2024 election season, which involves spending a pretty hefty chunk of money to reach voters across the country. So can you tell me a little bit more about the strategy and the goal of this program? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what we've learned over the last uh, two years is that it is not okay to sit in silence and not respond and go on the offense against the lies of the other side. I mean, they are lying right and left about pro-lifers and about just life in the womb in general. So we have to be honest and open. We are encouraging all candidates uh, for 2024 to go on offense and communicate what we call the three C's, which are they must be clear about their support against painful late-term abortions. They must have compassion for women facing unplanned pregnancies, and they must contrast their position, wherever that may be, exposing the opponent's extreme platform of pushing taxpayer-funded abortions on us, abortions on demand. So like you were saying earlier, what we are seeing now in this new landscape is the government is not okay with you just being a pro-lifer passively. They are not going to rest until you actively participate in the act of abortion in one way or the other, whether that's taking your taxpayer dollars to fund it, whether that's pushing for doctors and medical staff who has have religious and ethical objections to abortions to be forced to perform those. Um, and then also, of course, attacking children in the womb and then exploiting mothers who do not even want to be pushed to abortion drugs or surgery, but do feel like they have no options. We've got to coalesce and make sure that we are deploying an aggressive strategy to to um, expose the extremism of the other side. And that's why we're going to be operating in eight key states, eight battleground states. Uh, we're already on the ground in six of those right now, and we're going to knock on four million doors, and we intend to reach 10 million voters across these states. And we're really looking at those voters that weren't activated last time. We know that there were a lot of pro-life voters who didn't vote. We want to make sure that they understand what the stakes are and that they get out. And then also the persuadables. We have a network of persuadables that we can see, okay, these people will really understand once we talk to them what the Biden administration and Democrats are doing on the other side. And we want them to know so they can get out there and um, vote their values. So that is what we are looking at, really focusing on the presidential and Senate races. And one of the main reasons, too, that we all have to think about is we've got to protect 
the Supreme Court majority that is there right now. It would only take, you know, one turn of the election for them to to change the majority of the Supreme Court. And that could really reverse a lot of the gains that we've made over the last year and a half. Yeah. And you made a point in there about how we can't be afraid as a pro-life movement to go on the offensive. And I think we've seen some hesitation from um, Republican candidates that they don't want to be too extreme on their pro-life views. And so they kind of just are somewhere in the middle. And that's not what we're seeing from the other side. Right after the March for Life last month, the Biden-Harris administration announced their abortion rights campaign. And Kamala Harris called Republicans extremists for holding that life in the womb is a life after all and should be protected. But they've made it very clear that abortion on demand through all nine months of pregnancy is their number one campaign issue. And yet the majority of Americans, about seven in 10 Americans, oppose abortion after 15 weeks. So do you think that the key here is more in informing people about the qualities and value of life or exposing how radical Democrats pro-choice policy has become? Well, Madison, I think it's I think it's both. I think we have to do both. You know, it's surprising to me when we talk to people at the door um, and across this country, how little people really know about abortion, the procedure, also how little they know about what the other side is fighting for. They don't realize that they're pushing for taxpayer funded abortions. They don't realize that they have not listed a single limit that they would put on abortion. I was looking at Kamala Harris and Biden's campaign on this abortions across America tour that they're doing right now. And they have this banner that says restore Roe. But when asked um, on the news the other day, Kamala Harris could not even tell what limit she would put on abortion through Roe. So if she will not even list a single limit or be clear on that, then that tells you all you need to know right there, that they're not planning on limiting abortion. They the abortion industry are one of their biggest donors. So this is really just an effort to push abortion at all costs and forget women and children. As you've said, this campaign is really about exposing darkness by shedding light on the travesty of abortion and the lies of pro-abortion activists, including that they are supportive of women who choose to keep their baby. In reality, it's the pro-life clinics and pro-life proponents caring for women and their children. And that's what you're highlighting with this campaign. So, Emily, thanks for your work with SBA Pro-Life America and for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much. And life can be a winning issue, but we have to get out there and fight for it. We have to educate Americans and we have to trust them with the information and fight for women and children. Thank you so much, Emily. All right, Madison, thanks so much for that interview there. Obviously, an important issue. All right, that's going to leave us with time on the podcast for one last thing. Yeah, this is a simple verse. It's Psalm 146.8. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. And that's obviously literal and figurative. And <laughs> in this case, you know, with Rob Schneider and, and others like him and all of us really being able to have our eyes open to see the truth. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and it reminds me too, you know, thinking about people that we know that are unbelievers that haven't haven't understood yet or come to faith yet that we can keep praying for them because it's the Lord who does the opening of the eyes. It's the Lord who brings people home. You know, he just uses different means and uses at times us, uses at times different topics like uh, Rob was saying that he's investigating to to remind us of who he is. So, all right, Lord willing and that creek don't rise. We're going to return tomorrow with more. We're thankful you're here. God bless. Have a great rest of your Monday. <laughs>